Hi, and welcome to another episode of Save Your Sorry, where we tell you about the rise and fall of your favorite or sometimes least favorite celebrity. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me is my co-host and rising star, Katrina Rochelle. We have a great episode for you guys today, and it is a Katrina-driven episode. Oh no, everybody, switch episodes (laughs) now. Yes. And what are we going to be talking about today, Katrina? Um, so before we get into our celebrity subject, uh, I wanted to do a couple of updates that I've seen in the news. Um, the first one is uh, over a previous episode, one of our first, like, I think this is like our third episode was Monique. And I did that episode as well. It's come out that Lee Daniels and Monique have sat down and talked and reconciled and basically straightened out their differences. And not only have they come together back as friends, but now they are working together. Apparently Lee Daniels is supposed to be in charge of this project called Demon House. And at first Octavia Spencer was slated to be in the main role. Oh, I would kill to see that. (laughs) <laughs> and I love me some Octavius. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently some scheduling conflicts with the Apple Plus show she's on and she wasn't able to do it. So she pulled out Lee Daniels being the um, basically being a better person in my eyes, because, you know, I felt just hashtag justice from Monique every day, all day. <laughs> so uh, him deciding to be a better person. He decides to talk to Monique and puts her in the role instead. So soon, maybe a year or two, maybe some months, I don't know how far or close into production they are. We should be seeing Monique in Demon House, which is supposed to be coming out via Netflix, I'm guessing, which is kind of a gag seeing how she got a lawsuit with him. Oh, yeah, I might watch that. You know, I'll if it's, if it's Monique and we're being supportive, she got my dollar, my stream, my whatever okay so that's our first update monique and lee daniels moving on coming together the second one is the topic that is on everybody's lips oh (laughs) are getting smacked from everybody's lips is what happened on the oscars between will smith and chris rock now for a brief moment i thought about us not even addressing this because it's almost a week old, number one. And number two, everybody has said everything, gotten on my goddamn nerves, made some good points, blah, 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 blah. But then I had to think about it. This is what we do. We talk about celebrities doing crazy ass shit. So why would we not put this on the docket? Yeah, a little hot topic section. Well, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. You do one, you do one. No. Oh, damn it. We were supposed to do it and they can vote who is better. Oh, I feel like yours is better now. See, if you should let me go first. I'm intimidated. <laughs> that was, I was like, is Wendy in this? Wendy? <laughs> I did watch it. I used to watch a lot of Wendy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, a little hot topic. So, do you want us? should we state what happened and then yeah, back just and forth state our opinion? State what happened in case someone out there somehow some way does not know what it is i mean it's been done to death i'm i know literally traumatized Um, i would die if somebody (laughs) was listening to this podcast (laughs) on saturday and for the first time heard about the slap yeah (laughs) what (laughs) especially like you're listening to a podcast about celebrities so i yeah it's not believable but maybe you know in the future someone's listening to this and they want to 
refresher. Okay. Okay. So basically what happened is that the Oscars were held a mere six days ago, uh, March 27th to be exact. And Will Smith was nominated for best lead actor in a role for his portrayal in King David, where he uh, plays Venus and Serena Williams' father. Him and Jada are in the front row. Some context is uh, Jada is bald. She has a shaved head right now. And that's because she is suffering from alopecia, which um, is a disease where your ha- your hair does fall out. Uh, you some, some slower, some faster, some lose all their hair. Some There's all types. And basically, Chris Rock comes out during the show to do some some jokes before he goes into the category he is presenting. He therefore uh, sees the Smiths in the front and decides to go off the cuff and say this joke of, hey, Jada, I don't know what's the exact quote, like, hey, Jada, see you looking forward to G.I. Jane too soon or something like that, right? Yeah, it was like, hey, yeah, exactly like that. It was something like that. Acknowledges Jada, talks about G.I. Jane 2, looking forward to it, implying uh, basically that G.I. Jane was a a movie that Demi Moore was in where she is in the army or something and she has a shaved head. And really, it's just a, a throwaway line. Like, no one really paid attention to it, I feel like, at first. Yeah, but little did they know. And Will um, even laughs at first, if you see the videos. After a few seconds of delay and pause and enjoyment, as uh, Will Smith gets up there, walks directly up to Chris Rock and gives him what the five fingers say to the face. Slap. Uh-huh. There, and then uh, walks back to his seat and says, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth or keep my fucking wife's name out your mouth or something, something, something fucking my <laughs> fucking wife out my name in the mouth and all that. It, it, it was keep something my like that. fucking wife's name out your mouth. Yeah, he says that to Chris Rock. Chris Rock says, Will Smith just slammed me. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. Will Smith just slammed me. <laughs> Bro, this is not funny. <laughs> yeah. First, before I'm going to let you give your opinion, but let me just tell you, Real quick, I used to watch all the war shows, Jose. I used to watch them all. We used to watch and them together. We used to watch them together. And a few years ago, maybe even more than a few years ago, they just weren't, I was watching highlights because they just weren't the same. Like they weren't fun anymore. The people you like didn't come or they didn't win. It was just all this other stuff. So I stopped watching. I knew the Oscars were on Sunday. And so when I woke up Monday morning, five o'clock in the morning to get ready for work, my sister was like, did you see what what Will Smith did to Chris Rock? He slapped him. I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? This Somebody slapped somebody? Oh, it must have been like a bit like they used to do at award shows. You know, Uh like that Borat and Eminem thing where Borat came down ass, like bare ass on Eminem's face. That was a stunt. That was crazy. <gasps> was it? Yeah, that was a stunt. No, I'm, I'm just, I was joking. I was about to say, you, oh, come on, actor. <laughs> that gasp. <laughs> you know what I always thought was a stunt? What? The Nicki Minaj, Miley Cyrus, what's good? To this day, I think it's a stunt. You, you know, <laughs> you know. 
you know how I knew that wasn't a stunt, but I thought the same for a second too. When Miley's response, Miley was on that mic, white woman scared, saying, <laughs> saying well, you know, the media always asks questions and, you know, we just got to answer and, you know, they always twist in our words and, you know, the, and yeah. <laughs> I think with oh, Nikki, what? it might have been like a joke, though, because she does smile after she says it. And fucking Rebel Wilson. <laughs> In the fucking cop outfit. That's an iconic moment. Uh-huh. But yeah. And now it's this. And now is this, bro. Yeah, I forgot where I was at. Oh, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. And then I watched the video. And when I saw this man walk up to this other man and slap the shit out of him, I still thought I was hallucinating because I could not believe that actually happened at the Oscars. So I was very shocked. But, yeah, that's just immediate reactions how I felt. How, how did you feel? What do you think? Thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? Okay. So I've. I'm annoyed with both sides, honestly, by now. I'm kind of over it, so I'm glad we're having this conversation to put it to bed. Oh, I'm I'm muting everything as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> and I've seen the conspiracy theories that it was staged. I've seen conspiracy theories that he's on steroids. I Like, there's so many things out there. I've seen people say it's a Black issue. I've seen people say it's a issue between man and wife because she had an entanglement in 2015 and mm. i i don't think any of those i mean they might be factors but i don't think whatever um what i do think my knee-jerk reaction to it was it was funny honestly that was my knee-jerk reaction i thought will got up there he set up for jada and he slapped him and i think abby one kind of romanticizes that, like the Goodfellas movie, how he hits that guy. And Karen's wow. like, oh my God. Like, you know, she falls in love with him over that. Like, it's kind of uh, a thing where you want your man to be able to protect you and like no one, like no one messes with Will's wife type of thing. Mm-hmm. So at first it was funny to me. And then it wasn't as funny as I thought about it. I, Okay, so I'm going to break it down because I, I do think there's sections. Chris Rock saying the joke. I heard it wasn't a rehearsal, so I feel like he just said it on the spot. He saw her bald head. He said, see you in G.I. Jane 2. That's just my thought. I don't have anything to confirm that. And it's a throwaway joke. I don't think it's that important. I I don't think it's that insulting either. I don't think Will thought it was that insulting either because he did laugh at first. But you do see Jada's immediate reaction is she rolls her eyes and she looks away. And I think Will saw that. And that's when the camera turns to Chris. He goes on stage and he slaps him. And at the end of the day, it's not right to slap him. It's a joke. He should not slap him. He could have got his point across with just saying, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. It does not happen. Yeah. So I... Where I'm kind of at a loss at, we're well, not at a loss, but where I get frustrated at is you have one side saying, well, he should be thrown in jail. He should be do this, that, and the other. I'm so traumatized. It's like, I don't think it was that bit of a deal. I mean, I've seen people get slapped. I've been slapped. It's not, it's not, it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then I see the other side saying he shouldn't make that joke. So I, I see both sides, but I feel like both sides are kind of, 
going too far with it. So that's mine. I don't think you should slap him. I don't think violence is ever really the answer. You, that's your fight. You said you just don't think he should slap him. I don't. I don't think it was called for. It's not. He was not being violent with him. He could have used mm-hmm. his words too. Will Smith is, has a very high platform. He could have just said, "Keep my wife's name out your mouth," like he did later. Had the same. Mm-hmm. Had the same uh, ending. He could have went afterwards and said, "Oh." You know, made a statement. Maybe we should not be joking about my wife's alopecia. She's sensitive. He could have done so many different things instead mm-hmm. of slapping this man on national TV for the whole world to see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think two things can be true. I think that um, Will Smith can be wrong for going up there and putting hands on Chris Rock when hands were not put on him or Jada. And I think that Chris Rock was wrong for telling that joke. Um, and I'll explain both sides, I guess, even though it's kind of ex- self-explanatory. Chris Rock, try not to say so many offensive things, but Chris Rock is messy. That's what I'll say. Chris Rock is messy. And I'm not saying he deserved the slap, but he deserved karma. And if karma came in the form of a slap, I ain't mad at it. Mm. Karma for the way that he decides to go out of his way to provoke a person multiple times for no reason. Now you're right. This was a tame joke, lame joke. Wasn't really that much punch, but why did he say that? Why did he go out of his way years before to target Will and Jada? Why in the nineties did he go out of his way before? Now, can you, I don't know the history, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know the history either. So when you say years before to attack Jader, do you have oh, okay. an example? Okay, so back in 1997, um, a lot of people know about the history of the Million Man March. Uh, there also was a Million Women's March, um, and a lot of different influential Black women attended and spoke. And it was held in... Pennsylvania. I can't remember the city if it was Philadelphia, but it was definitely in Pennsylvania. And one of the people who spoke was Jada Pinkett. And she was speaking about the fact that us Black women have to take care of ourselves and uh, make sure that we're looking out for ourselves so then we can be better for our community and help the men instead of always focusing on Uh, the rights of only Black men. We have to focus on Black women as well uh, in our health uh, and all these other things, basically, she was speaking. And uh, Chris Rock, who had the Chris Rock show at that time, uh, just kind of made fun of it and dumbed it down and, you know, acted like the Million Woman March wasn't really nothing. And that uh, just dubbed uh, Jada's speech as it was like this club shout out, like, everybody say ho. (laughs) It was like this (laughs) ridiculous type of bit or whatever. Okay, but he is a comedian. Yeah, no, no, no. What I'm saying is the the jokes don't matter. It's the intention and the way that you go out of your way. It's just, it all adds up and it doesn't look good when everybody takes a microscope to things. Okay. With these things I'm talking about, I wouldn't even know if the slap didn't happen. Okay. So, and then in the 2016, in 2016, when Will Smith wasn't nominated, as well as a lot of POCs were not nominated for different 
acting and writing awards and it was boycotted and the whole hashtag Oscar so white. Chris Rock decided to host that year and he made jokes about uh, Jada specifically, not so much as Will Smith, but more targeted to Jada, um, talking about the fact that don't Jada have, have a TV show and basically insinuating, why are you boycotting the Oscars? Because you wouldn't even be at the Oscars. <laughs> you, like, you didn't get invited, like you couldn't even get in. Basically, like she isn't a movie star in her own right. Yeah, she's hating from the outside. Mm-hmm. And basically saying that they weren't there because only because Will Smith wasn't uh, nominated, which is something that I also said could be possible. So I can't be mad at that. And then the throwaway joke as well. Also, you look back on Chris Rock's history with the black community. Everybody kept talking about his good hair documentary in which he interviews all different types of black people and then different uh, people of color in different countries uh, about their hair, what it means to them. um, How do they feel about it? There were testimonies from celebrities talking about um, how they feel about their hair how um, hair works when you're in the entertainment industry and you're black relaxers. He talked to a woman who had alopecia. Um, he talked to black men in a barbershop about the fact that because some black women put their hair up or don't like their hair yet, does that mean that they prefer white women? All types of things. And people were like, well, that's not really a, a defense. Just because somebody makes a movie about something doesn't mean that that proves that they're for that community. And then that whole clip came out with Ricky Gervais, Jerry Seinfeld, and Louis C.K. and Chris Rock when they're all saying the N-word, except for Jerry Se- John, What's his name? Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> I was about to call him Gina. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. So it's just like... So I feel like those, I don't think that, he deserved to get... What? That is more of a... It's like a justification for him being slapped. I don't think that contributes no, to no. it at all. I, what I'm saying is that it's just the way the world works. People always say that there are consequences to your action. It doesn't mean that they are justified. So I just think that this was the world happening and whatever, just like Will has karma as well. Will has done some shady things in his career that are now coming to the light because of his slap. I think Hollywood as a whole is being performative and and hypocritical. And that's my bigger point is that Will Smith was wrong and he maybe even deserved to get escorted out the Oscars, but they didn't do that despite trying to cover it up later and say that he was asked to leave and then putting it back on there and saying he wasn't asked to leave. So which was it? I think Chris Rock was wrong for the slap. I mean, for the joke, Will Smith was wrong for the slap, but it doesn't give everybody Uh, a reason to be hypocritical, racist, and performative when they've accepted worse behavior from other people in the past. But because this was on camera, now everybody can bury Will Smith in the ground. Yeah, I I just don't like that Will Smith should be buried for it either. But I kind of think it is something that people don't really know how to react to just because it is, I mean, all these people in this situation are in their 50s, almost 60s. Like, you don't really know how to deal with this with a grown man slapping another grown man. Like, it's not that serious. He's not seriously injured. Like, I keep seeing those posts, like, he could have had brain injury. He could have died. Well, I don't I, I don't want to take it that far. But it, 
he probably should have been escorted out. But at the end of the day, it's a slap. He he's fine now. I mean, he's humiliated probably, but he Chris Rock handled it very well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I will say that the who was the producer, Will Packer. That's the one thing he was absolutely correct on is that he said like Chris Rock would have reacted negative to negatively to that situation and exacerbated it. It could have turned into like a huge bad thing worse than what it already had become. So because Chris Rock did handle it the way that he did, the show did go on relatively smooth, but I just don't understand. You know, I'm not mad at, uh, I'm mad at the reactions more than I'm mad at the situation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say overall. You yeah, know, Chris I did what he did. Will did what he did. But I feel like some people are just given so much power to this to be so disgusting with their their takes that it's not even like an opinion anymore. It's like, I don't know. It's just like morphed into something else. It really has morphed into something else. And I'm not 100% sure why. I'm not 100% sure why Jada seems to be the villain in this, in the Twitter Twitter sphere and on the Instagram. Why Jada is the one who is kind of the bidding all the jokes because you hear, oh, Jada, if she would close her legs, then none of this would have happened. I, it wasn't a, we're not even an affair. They were separated in 2015. She had what her words, an entanglement or, uh, it's not an affair because they were separated and then in 2020 it came to surface so and they decided to talk about it openly yeah because they decided to talk about it openly and they are these famous celebrities everybody made jokes on it instead of seeing seeing it for what it was which was transparency and because of that they're still paying for it years later where jada was the one disrespected and didn't do anything physical and is still being called like a, a whore and a slut. Like, bitch, this is a this is a fucking legend of an actress, and y'all got the audacity I, to reduce her to a uh a, a conversation, <laughs> a conversation that she had openly with her husband and the public to talk about how marriages go through. Uh, what is it called? Peaks and Valleys. Yeah. And they have like these altered images. I mean, he does not look dead in the red talk table, but people who haven't even seen it, they have these more like dramatically photoshopped images where he looks even worse. That he's like, <laughs> where almost, he looks fucking sad. Yeah, bawling his eyes out. And yeah. they take these two lines out of this whole freaking conversation and like where she cheated on him here. And I don't know. I see that clip from a different angle where after he slaps him it does look like jada is laughing and but it also looks like lupita who's sitting next to her is laughing and until will says keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth so she could have thought at the time it was a bit too i think there's stuff we do not know i mean here's the thing that's what i'm saying people are like oh my god jada was laughing after will slap in the time, in the seconds that passed before he made his way up the stage, it couldn't have been played. Hey, Will, get his ass right, fucking Neil. <laughs> um, he just jumped up and did it. And he just jumped up that quick because she said so and did no. 
because she had a decided. 2015 affair and he doesn't want to lose her or something. That's the narrative. And then all that you should he should have been beaten August Alcino's ass. Like, first of all, how do you know he didn't? Yeah. <laughs> and second of all, y'all, that that's not the conversation. Just like I don't like when people are like full blown with the hoe. Yeah, we'll handle his responsibility as a man, as a as a husband. I don't agree with that because that's toxic masculinity as well. Like, and that's the no. side I was more on to begin with. Like he defended her, good for him. And then it turned to these people who are trying to defend it so hard. It's like, are, are you okay? Like it's. Yeah. He's a grown ass man. He could handle that differently. He has a huge platform that he could bring awareness to alopecia mm-hmm. if that's what he's mad about. Mm-hmm. And he has a whole comp where his wife, Jada Pitchett, has a whole TV show or web show that she discusses yeah. stuff on that they could discuss it on why he was upset about it. I, I also I see people saying Jada did not soothe him or calm him down there's a camera literally two feet away from her if not closer that's Mm -hmm. on will jada has been in the public so long will has been in the public so long but in her mind she could be thinking i don't want to make this something more where she's trying to like shush you know shush him and he's like ah leave my wife alone like that would just make it more into a like a situation there yeah, yeah. The thing is, I think they've they're secure. They've been together long enough to know that especially after he did that everything is about to be examined. So, it's better to just act calm and normal than to overtly display any affection or to act too cold. Just act regular. And then you you talk and you soothe backstage and everything. But yeah, that's what I thought. It was crazy because, uh, you know, I follow all the drag queens on social media. And it was like, uh, who was it? Who was it? Who was that? It, uh, it was this, um, it was Bob the Drag Queen, one of my favorite winners, uh, who said, I would like to think it would have been a little bit more impactful if instead of walking up there and slapping Chris Rock, he would have walked up there, took the mic and said, I don't appreciate you making jokes about my wife's disease. It would have been. Which is, which is yeah, it would have been definitely awkward, but it definitely would have sent a heavier message to, hey, bro, that's not what's it. And you don't have to do this. And you know, she's dealing with something. When you slap somebody, even though, the reason came out and is known that she has alopecia. It doesn't quite give it the justification of violence. And that's why I say, I'll say this. As far as the situation, if you got to put me on the side, Chris Rock shouldn't have got slapped. Yeah. I still walked away from this whole situation, not liking Chris Rock more, because unfortunately, when something happens between two megastars, everybody on social media brings out the dirt. So I got to see a lot more dirt on Chris Rock than Will Smith. But that's like you, like uh, we said before, that's separate. But yeah, he didn't deserve to get slapped in the mouth. Um, it's going to be a moment that's going to be on the Internet forever. Neither one of these guys, no matter what film, special, movie, show that they decide to do afterwards, this will be part of their legacy. And I feel sorry for both of them, but not that sorry because they're still wealthy men. 
who yeah, can I, obviously sort this out. I've never been a huge Will Smith fan. Uh, the whole situation with the original Viv always has <laughs> a bad taste in my mouth, even though, you know, they're cool now and she spoke out, you know, in his defense, whatever. It, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I know he was a kid. I know all that. I It, it, it just mm-hmm. did. Um, Chris Rock, I know him here and there. I'm not a huge fan of his. You know, I love some yeah. of his work, but I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan. And Jada Pickett, I love her. I I think I love her even more now because all week long at work and talking to friends, I've just been def- on her defense. Because even if Will Smith would have done what you said, um, Bob the Drag Queen said, mm-hmm. I still feel like in that narrative, she would still be the villain. She, it would be, oh, she got <laughs> him so whipped because she's yep. sucking dicks of all these guys. And yep, yep, yep. I agree. They always, no matter what story comes out between them, even when his biography came out, it was all like, huh, look what Jada made him do, or look how he's talking since Jada put him on blast. Or, but it's like they're not their own person. They're not separate entities anymore. And they have, they have talked about wanting to, like, you know, they do their own thing to make their own, their self happy. And like them or not, I do think they kind of have a healthy relationship for the most part. They've been together long enough. Mm -hmm. I think they're one of the healthiest celebrity marriages ever because that, I mean, first of all, Let me say nobody, the celebrities don't owe us to show us their relationships and marriage. They don't owe us full transparency. But when you do get it, it's nice to see that you have all these couples that were together for so long and then they just break up and they don't say anything. And it's just bad vibes. But these people have been together for so long, had breaks had great times, had bad times, and are able to talk about it, but also talk about how their love for each other is so strong that they can remain as a unit, but also remain individuals. And it took time for them to learn like that. And this generation, they don't have marriages or the experiences with long lasting marriages, because a lot of our folks weren't even married when we were born, let alone when we got older. So it's like, instead of embracing it and seeing it as like a a testimony, people just rather make jokes and troll, which I ain't mad at, but that's just where we live. People can't take things seriously. Yeah. Everything's a joke. Everything's a meme. Which Will Smith never had that reputation. And now people are trying to paint him as this violent person. It's like Will Smith, like a few years ago, you guys were saying he's so corny. Yeah, so that's, a, that's one conspiracy theory I did hear, which is like, Everybody think I'm the soft man from Philly. So I got to get out there and represent. And it isn't a weird that all these celebrities, Denzel, Tyler Perry, Bradley Cooper, all came to like Will Smith's side to make sure he was okay. People do not fuck with Chris Rock. And that's what I was saying. Chris Rock is. I mean, we didn't see what happened backstage. I mean, I'm. I, here's what I'll say. Yes, those people did console Will Smith, but I know for a fact there were people who, of course, checked on Chris Rock. But I don't think Chris Rock has a lot of favor with people, and I don't even think it's because he's a comedian. I think it's the type of jokes he tells and the people who he makes the butt of his jokes versus the ones he makes the hero of his jokes, as well as some of his some of his associates and collaborators that he keeps close. I think all of that serves as why public opinion 
um, where you see most of the people who are really famous defending Chris are who? Comedians. That is true. And I think it is to the point where the comedians are saying, if I tell a joke you do not like, or you don't come up to the stage and slap me. That's the most ridiculous shit I've been seeing. And I <laughs> cannot believe like y'all didn't deal with hecklers. Like y'all didn't deal with drunk people. Like y'all didn't deal with entitled assholes at comedy shows before y'all who were coming up on stage, interrupting y'all snatching the mic from you people. Y'all were bringing up to the stage as well. like, it's crazy how this one thing happened and they erased history. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and all the history books went blank. That's crazy. <laughs> really? It, but I saw somewhere that it's going to be described. It might have been my favorite murder where it said, it's their history to be described like before the slap and after the slap. Oh my gosh. Yes. And oh, the fucking host, fucking Amy Schumer and, and Wanda Sykes talking about they were triggered and traumatized. By the slap, by the Hollywood slap, by the by the by the by the place, by Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, and then two hours later, everybody going home with the hundred and fifty thousand dollar gift bag slap. Yeah, Y'all were traumatized. Which like, I, give me a break. Yeah, I worded using that word a little bit too loosely. That someone slapping someone else is that traumatizing to you mm-hmm. where it has no lasting effects on you. Yeah. And the whole um, Will Smith reinforcing black stereotypes like. Um, oh, that was the stupidest one I saw. Where Yeah. Like black stereotypes were not forced upon black people as a way to make us seem like less than humans, like we were animals and stuff like that. How did he reinforce something that we never even exhibited or never enforce had, something that everybody across the world no matter race and ethnicity exhibits because everybody in every racial group has people who are violent have people who do this have people who do that and it's like no oh fucking a uh, gene pyro that bitch talking about this is uh this is the oscars it's not the hood awards or the hood or some shit oh. like you people are using this one event to all of a sudden turn us back into monkeys and jigaboos and shit yeah you're never gonna hear if it's if that was two white celebrities you would be like oh that represents the white community so bad it's like no yeah we say some shit like damn white people crazy that's it (laughs) we ain't saying and this is why your motherfuckers wear hoods and you're sitting there lighting churches and crosses on fire we it doesn't always go all the way back to that sometimes it but anyway we we've we've carried yeah let's put it to rest Let's put it to rest. Let's go back to our main subject about this episode. Are you ready? I've been ready. All right. It is about a comedian, as I stated before. And this comedian has ties to one of the two people we literally just brought up today. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. So I don't know anything about him. You really don't? No. Oh, interesting. I um, I know he's a Mexican, isn't he? He does have uh, some Mexican in his blood, yes. That, that's all I know. Damn. Okay, well, at least you know something. I can't be mad. So the comedian that we've discussed is uh, somebody who I actually used to kind of enjoy. I watched uh, a few of his specials. I even watched some of his show, uh, the one that got canceled, and then the one that also got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
And it's Louis C.K. Now, Louis C.K. was born Louis Sclee, Sclee. Louis Stewie. He was he was born a different name, but because of everybody having trouble pronouncing that name, he made it CK, which I will be grateful for because I cannot say his board name. Hashtag branding. He was born to uh, parents Louise and Mary, September 12th, 1967. That makes this man a Virgo. Okay. Now his father is of Mexican-Hungarian descent and his uh, mother is Irish and uh, specifically Irish Catholic. I don't know if that makes a difference, but that's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess that means like you're really Irish and you're really religious. Okay. <laughs> so he has three sisters. And for the first several years of his life, about six to seven years, Louis uh, and his family lived in Mexico. And that uh, in Spanish was his first language. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. And when I wanted to know if he actually still spoke Spanish, I got the answer later when they said he kind of, as he moved to the U.S., he little by little forgot it. So he doesn't know, very, he knows very little Spanish now. He came back to the U.S. when he was seven. His parents ended up divorcing and his mother ended up uh, taking him and his sisters and raising them as a single mother in Newton, Massachusetts. Can I say it? In Newton, Massachusetts. <laughs> His mother ended up being one of the reasons that Louis knew that he kind of wanted to work in TV and comedy. He said that basically watching his mother uh, work all day and then come home to lackluster TV options or bad TV programming made him want to put on better shows for his mother and people to be entertained by. Which I kind of thought was kind of cool and it kind of sweet. I'm a narcissistic. Why? Because he said, I could do better. I could do this better. I'm a kid. You guys don't know anything. You are so cold. He is still a (laughs) child. I'm trying to look at this man as a being, a a decent child. I'm just trying to be, I guess, more like you were like, trash from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) You can be fair on this one. You can never be me. (laughs) (laughs) Not you. More like you. More don't how about my opinion from the start come on be one of my children oh <laughs> <laughs> that's funny okay so uh louis ck would graduate from newton north high school in 1985 but as far as getting into comedy and really hitting his stride that would not happen until his early 20s in the 1990 and early 1990 i think specifically in 93 louis decided to audition for snl um, but did not get it. So he ended up not being a part of the cast. I guess it kind of ended up being like a blessing in disguise because he didn't end up working at SNL as talent, but he did end up working with Ro- uh, Robert Schmeagle. I think that's how you pronounce his name, who was a like a big contributor and writer at SNL. And he uh, paired with him and started helping him write the TV funhouse skits that were a part of SNL, which some people may remember them, some don't, but I ain't gonna lie, those used to kind of be some of my favorite skits that SNL used to do. And it used to be like their only animated thing that they did anyway. So I thought that was kind of weird. I, well, weird in a good way at that time. Yeah, I never knew they did animated. Yeah, you never watched any TV funhouse skits? I don't think so. Not that's coming to my mind. Yeah, maybe I'll um 
you look it up or I'll look it up or I'll send you some videos. You see if you, it jogs some memory. Um, like I said, in 93, he didn't make the cut for SNL, but he did end up being a writer for Late Night with Conan O'Brien for Conan O'Brien. Uh, this was back when Conan O'Brien had the second late night slot and he was still on NBC way before they screwed him over for Jay Leno in the future. Yeah, okay. He also ended up writing for the short-lived Dana Carvey show. Uh, Dana Carvey is a SNL alum. He used to be one half of Wayne's World, if you need a identifier. Also, The Late Show with David Letterman and The Chris Rock Show. He also had a half-hour stand-up special released on HBO. So he was getting work consistently, especially with HBO, and he was putting his name out there. Yeah, those are pretty big names to be working with. Oh, yeah. And I I feel like once you get in with certain people. You're in. Yeah, unless you majorly, majorly fuck up, which, man, we see how big you majorly have to fuck up to get kicked out. You are in. Yeah. In the 2000s, especially early 2000s, Chris Rock was his big collaborator. And also at this time, Chris Rock is one of the biggest stand-up comedians right now. Uh, Louis wrote and directed Pootie Tang, which uh, was a movie based off a character that originated as a skit on the Chris Rock show. Now, let me state my terrible taste right now. I I, I, I kind of liked Pootie Tang. I cannot lie to you. Um, I kind of view it as like the black people room. <laughs> Have you ever seen the room, Jose? No. You've never seen neither? Pootie Tank sounds familiar, but the room does not at all. Lisa, you're tearing me apart. Yeah, so I definitely, the room uh, and Pootie Tang are equally the same to me. It's like bad movies that are so bad that they end up being very funny and entertaining. Him and Chris Rock came together again and wrote the screenplays for Down to Earth. And a little synopsis of Down to Earth is Chris Rock plays somebody who ends up getting into an accident, dies, and becomes like an angel and can inhabit another body and ends up being like this old white guy. Hashtag Blast of the Past. I love that movie. The funny thing is, man, I used to, I used to love Down to Earth too. I think I bought that movie a few times. Yeah, I don't remember it, but I remember loving it and seeing it a bunch. Yeah, so the joke is this black man's inside this white man body being a black man. <laughs> hilarious I, I we need to rewatch it and see how problematic it is uh, that's what i was just saying saying this out loud is just like bitch what was we watching we, okay <laughs> but, but it's an old white guy and yeah it's not as problematic as anything these other people say in their actual routines or real life but, yeah and yeah i think he's supposed to be like rich right and like from high society so it's like yes it's just funny i i don't know i, I don't know what to defend i don't even remember it yeah keep defending it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because chris rock his character is like a stand-up comedian who's broke who's trying to get this who ends up dying because he was staring at this girl inhabits this rich white body but he's black inside so he wants to act black and be black but everybody's looking at this white man saying who the fuck are you <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that is um and then him and chris rock co-wrote the screenplay for i think i love my wife which is one of our faves oh then okay then he's great genius 
I knew you was gonna say that as soon as I said I think Elamore because you just love that movie so much. You Top can't five like... favorite movie. So yeah, I he's okay. It's like top five quotable movie. I I could quote that movie all day. Yeah, it's that was actually going to be my media. Oh well, you could talk about it afterwards. It literally relates to the episode. Yeah. Uh So yeah, they wrote those two screenplays. So him and Chris are like really close, number one, and he's building his brand alongside Chris because he has that in with like a top Hollywood elite at this time. Okay. uh, around this time, around 2005, 2006, he even gets an adult sitcom on HBO called Lucky Louie. I know somebody is like, uh, adult sitcom? Let me explain this. And I actually did watch a few episodes of the show. It was definitely problematic, kind of funny, problematic. But it's an adult sitcom because this was on HBO. It didn't air until like after like 10 because it's for mature audiences, but it's like a sitcom uh what do you call it it's like a sitcom structure shot in front of a studio audience with very adult inappropriate jokes so like think a broke everybody loves raymond with dirty jokes do we have to call that adult sitcom isn't it just a sitcom I say adult sitcom so people can kind of get the sense that this is nothing that could ever be on like ABC, NBC, CBS. I mean, it's just a show shot in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, but Louie also showed his dick one episode. Oh. I I guess. Is, is, Is that technically what's called an adult sitcom? I actually don't know what it's called. They just called it a show, but I just wanted to get, like, show you that it wasn't like his other show that comes out later, Louie. This was the first show that he had called Louie that was something totally different. But anyway, too much explanation for that. Damn, Jose. Right. It's just confusing <laughs> with adult sitcom. Because you're thinking of porn. Stop yeah, being that, horny for like five seconds, man. And then you said he does show his penis like it's a parody of. Because he, he does. That's why I'm saying like this is a, a sitcom show, but you can't. You need to be an adult. That and I think that's okay. So he's in got the canceled. Adult entertainment business. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hate. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No. no don't worry about not we're entertainment. Going... Oh, you're trying to be funny. <laughs> I didn't even get that. He is an adult entertainer. <laughs> so, <dude>. Anyway, <laughs> you said I was a porn star. He would never. <laughs> um so yeah that lucky louie only lasted for like one season um not so lucky yeah i think it was the subject matter that really like it didn't resonate with some people so or it wasn't his time and yeah that shit got canceled yeah no one wants to watch an adult sitcom (laughs) (laughs) Um, i hate you okay anyway in the coming years he would critically Oh, in the coming years, he would uh, put out some critically acclaimed comedy specials uh, like Chewed Up, Shameless, um, Hilarious. Shameless TV, oh, not the TV show, right? No, no, not the TV. Okay. He just had a special name, Shameless. Oh. Uh, Shameless, Chewed Up, Hilarious, live at the Madison Square Garden. And he actually ended up winning Grammys uh, for the best comedy album for both Hilarious and Live at the Madi- Madison Square Garden, which was a special that he filmed 
that he did during a, a whole tour. He's so accomplished. He he really is. Uh, he's he's won hell of awards, and if he hasn't won them, he's been nominated for a lot of awards as well. In 2010, his FX show premiered Louie. That ended up winning Emmys for its writing, and that was both considered a commercial and a critical uh, success. Uh, reading it, critics really liked Louie and liked that uh, Louis C.K. was showing his humor through his uh, FX show, as well as a lot of people in his fan base watching that shit and it being a good ratings uh, success for okay. a, a FX show, which, you know, is cable and they have a reduced audience. So he ends up going on to produce other specials and shows for other names in comedy. Uh, he ended up producing the show Baskets that starred Zach Galifianakis and the late Louis Anderson. Oh, and Karen Kilgariff was a writer for that show. Okay, Karen Kilgariff, go ahead. And then he uh, produced and created Better Things, which starred uh, Pamela Aldon, who is another comedian and uh, a, a, I don't know if I would say frequent collaborator of Louis, but like they've definitely worked together on some other things before. She ended. She played his wife in Lucky Louie, his first show that got canceled. Um, another thing that I, I knew about her a long time ago, but some listeners may not know, is that she also voices Bobby on King of Hill. The son? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. It's so funny when you see her like in person do the voice. It's like, I don't know, it's just funny watching like voice actors do their like totally different voice looking like a normal hum- human being. Uh-huh. I like table reads of like animated series. Uh, and he also produced Tig Notaro's uh, comedy special called One Mississippi. Now that I've kind of set the tone for Louis's career and how he ended up building up to becoming a writer, to becoming a, a, a very successful stand-up comedian, to then going into TV production and being successful at that, Let's talk about the allegations and the sexual stuff, I'll say. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. That was a nervous laugh. I, I don't either. I don't either. It's like, I didn't What'd know how to find frame funny? it. Hmm. <laughs> Very suspicious. And don't you dare short and suspicious <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> first, let's set the scene. Um, all this stuff ended up coming out in 2017, November specifically. So it's the year 2017, and we are in the last quarter. Literally a month ago, October 2017, the one of the biggest scandals to ever happen in Hollywood gets exposed, which was Harvey Weinstein and all the sexual assault and intimidation and manipulation that he had regarding so many different actresses, writers, producers that he worked with being in charge of a company. Okay, so we're in a post-Me Too era. We're in the Me Too has literally just started and we're we're full steam ahead. Okay, we're on the wave of Me Too. Yes, basically we just caught Harvey Weinstein and bitch, now we hunting for everybody. 
Yeah, and a lot of women were coming out with their stories at that time. Okay, got it. Exactly. So this happened in October. Harvey Weinstein getting exposed happened in October from a New York Times article. And it it featured the detailed accounts of, like I just said, sexual abuse, intimidation, sexual manipulation, et cetera, et cetera, from Harvey Weinstein. And it began the Me Too movement. And now they're looking for other people and other uh, actresses and other people in the Hollywood uh, industry to share their story, entertainment industry, to share their stories about other people or Harvey Weinstein themselves. So now the spotlight is on a lot of people and now we're finding out shit that we never knew or we're confirming things that were rumors. In November 9th, 2017, five women come forward with sexual misconduct allegations toward comic Louis C.K., in the New York Times article written by Melina Rizik, Cara Buckley, and Jody Cantor. Now, these five women accusing Louis uh, are Dana Goodman, Julia Woloff, Rebecca Corey, and Abby Schnackner. <laughs> I apologize. I can't say these names correctly, but those are the women basically Dana, Julia, Rebecca and Abby. And there's also, oh, sorry. That's four. And there also was a woman who wanted to (laughs) remain anonymous. I'm sorry. The first time I kind of, I'm like, that's four. Then you said it again. I'm like, four. (laughs) God damn, Jose. And I was just like, I was about to say, um, I'm only going to refer to them as their first names and the woman who wanted to be anonymous as Jane Doe. Okay. In this New York Times article, each woman uses the courage that they have combined with the platform given to them um, by this movement that we are in at this moment in time, 2017, to share the stories of Louis C.K., what happened between them and how they reacted in time, as well as afterwards and how it impacted them, right? All the stories I feel are kind of just gross and unnecessary like they didn't need to happen Uh, so I said I would kind of go I didn't really pick any direction I probably should have went chronological but I didn't okay so uh like I said all the stories are kind of gross and disgusting so it really doesn't matter what order we go in so the first story comes from Abby and it is from 2003 in 2003 Abby who is a writer performer and illustrator She uh, called Louis C.K. to invite him to one of her shows because she had been previously acquainted with him through her ex-boyfriend, who uh, was a comedy writer that previously worked with Louis before on a different project. She also was a fan and admirer of Louis C.K. in his work. So when she called Louis to give her invitation to a show, He said that he was currently in the office working on the show he was writing for at the time, which was Cedric the Entertainer Presents. Uh, I do remember that show. I did watch that show. Actually kind of thought it was funny. Goddamn, this man has been everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he was working uh, as a writer on Cedric the Entertainer Presents at this time, and he's on the phone with Abby. Abby says, as their conversation quickly moves... As their conversation is flowing, it went from personal, uh, him talking about seeing pictures of her on uh, her boyfriend's desk and him uh, and Louis calling her cute, 
to being kind of unprofessional and inappropriate. Uh, She said she heard the blind, and this is all quoted from her story now. She said she heard the blinds coming down. Then he slowly started telling her his sexual fantasy, breathing heavily and talking softly. She realized he was masturbating and was dumbfounded. The call went on for several minutes, even though uh, Abby said, I definitely wasn't encouraging it, but she didn't know how to end it either. She said, you want to believe it's not happening. Uh, She has a friend named Stuart Harris, and he confirms that Abby had described this call to him in 2003 when it happened. Okay. Is this confirmed that he was masturbating on the phone? Yes. Okay. Uh, Abby said she felt angry and portrayed by an artist she looked up to, and she wondered what she could have done differently. I, uh, she's quoted as saying, I felt very ashamed. So that's the first story. That's Abby's story. I don't know if you would know any more details, but. Tell me, ask me and I'll tell you they, if I do. Like what, are they talking about something sexual? He's just telling her. I. They're on the, the, the whole premise is that she's calling him to invite him to her comedy show. And he steers the conversation to her looks and then starts masturbating with her on the phone, talking about his sexual fantasies. She can hear the blinds uh, going down, and then she starts to basically hear the sounds of him masturbating over the phone. And then when I get to later in the story, you will know that it is for sure confirmed that he okay. was masturbating on the phone. It, sorry, it was just it's just so weird to me to hear it. I'm like, I was like, what? What? Like it took a turn so fast. I was like, how do we get to this masturbation on the phone? Oh, but, I yeah. agree. It's crazy. Like literally zero to a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's what and happened to. Does it say how she got off the phone? Was it just? Uh, she just when he was done. I'm guessing. Did he climax? I assume so, because she's like, because the the story is like he was doing this. It went on for several minutes. She doesn't know how to end the call. So basically, she waits until he ends it. I'm guessing. We can only assume on that part. Yeah, okay, okay. The second story happened in 2002, and this involves Dana and Julie. Dana and Julie are billed as a comedy duo at this time. They get this big break, like this big chance uh, to perform at the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen, Colorado. After they do their set, after the show's over, uh, Louis C.K. invited them to hang out in his hotel room for like a nightcap, right? Yeah. And they didn't think twice. Uh, They thought this was like a friendly offer from one of their like, I don't want to say idols, but like a somebody in there, there who does this, they're saying a big shark, they're minnows. Exactly. There you go. To a big shark to these minnows. So as soon as they sat down in his room, uh, they actually are still wrapped in their winter jackets and hats. Because if if you know about Aspen, that, that bitch is cold. Oh, yeah. Uh, Louis C.K. asked if he can take out his penis. The women said that they thought this was a joke. Um, and then he really did it, Miss Goodman said. Miss uh, Dana Goodman said in an interview with the New York Times. Yeah, I could see he would like sit down and be like, y'all mind if I take my penis out? And that would be your reaction is to laugh. You would not think this man's really about to take out his penis with this us. This man's right really here. about to take out his dick, bro. Yeah, that, that wouldn't cross your mind until he actually did it. Yeah. So um, Dana says, and then he really did it. He proceeded to take 
all his clothes off and get completely naked and started masturbating. During Dana and Julie's surreal visit to Louis C.K.'s Aspen hotel room, they they were holding on to each other, screaming and laughing in shock as Louis C.K. masturbated in a chair. Quote, we were paralyzed, Dana said. Um, after he ejaculated on his stomach, they said they fled. He called after them. He was like, which one is Dana and which one is Julia? Dana recalled. So after they flee his hotel room, because um, he has gotten to completion. Uh-huh. Afterwards, they ran into Sharna Halpern. She uh, is the owner of some influential improv theaters that are in Los Angeles and Chicago, where Dana and Julie have performed before. And they begin to relay what happened in the room with Louie. Sharna says, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to tell them to do. And in response, Julie and Dana just decided to not go to the police because they're unsure whether whatever just happened to them was criminal. Um, But they just felt that they had to respond or say something because, quote, something crazy happened to us. Yeah, I really don't know i i did not because <laughs> this, this is some crazy shit yeah i did not know this case i because he did ask permission but they did not give it because it's like you don't think he's serious mm-hmm. and, and then instead of inquiring more or telling them to leave or anything else he decides to just go through with it and then you're just sitting there as he masturbates yeah, because I don't is, know the positioning in the room. Yeah, is there eye? Is he like where they stuck? Is, is he eye contact with them? Is it? Is he laying on his back? I I don't know how the position is, but uh, something tells me that there is definite eye contact. Yeah, and then you like when is the time that you leave that you're like, okay, this is enough. Like that's so awkward to begin with that I don't know if you would know how to react. Yeah, I, this might be a TMI, but. Feel like he has to be a fast comer. <laughs> At least under seven minutes, yeah. I'm just saying, let if if you're gonna do, if you're gonna commit sexual misconduct, I even hate to say that fucking sentence. Make it as short as fucking possible. So obviously, this is a kink he has of being yes heard masturbating or watch masturbating. Yes. Okay. And that's something that he talks about very much more in the current year okay. but anyway we'll, we'll get to that we'll get there so um dana and julie they, they went to one person who wasn't much help no offense to them but they weren't i mean i wouldn't be much help either except for expose him but you know that's just me so dana and julie are hoping that they can gain some allies and like raise outrage over what happened in that hotel room so and they're they're also trying to shame him uh, that's their words, which I understand. Like, that's, bitch, you shouldn't have so much gumption and confidence to just whip your dick out in front of people without them expi- explicitly letting you know they want your dick out. So, um, it sounds like so far these stories are with women he's not that familiar with. Either, like, right now, it's he's with people who are in his. Uh, same industry, but nowhere near his level. Um, like more inexperienced, I would say. Yeah. 
and they're admirers of him. That's the only reason why they called him or they followed him to his room. I don't think that they were trying to have a threesome. I don't think old girl was trying to do phone sex. I think they were genuinely there for conversation. That sounds weak as hell to say, but that's what I'm thinking. So anyway, uh, Julie and Dana began telling other people about the incident the very next day. Uh, But they said that many people were recoiling, not with it. They said guys were backing away from them. It's barely been 24 hours since they left that hotel. And they said, quote, we can already feel the backlash. Soon after, since they've been telling their story from the the day before, Dave Becky, who is Louis C.K.'s manager at the time, wanted basically uh, found out through found out who they were and contacted them through their managers and wanted them to stop telling people about the encounter that happened with Louis C.K. in the hotel room. Um, There's a man, I think, I assume it says Lee Kernis, and that could be a gender neutral name, but uh, Lee Kernis, which is one of those women's managers at the time, confirmed in the New York Times article that he had a conversation uh, with Dave Becky uh, and he told Mr. Becky that Louis C.K.'s behavior to Julie and Dana was offensive. Dave was just upset that the women were talking openly about what happened. Dave Becky is like a big figure in Hollywood because he represents, you know, some big comedy people like Kevin Hart, Amy Poehler, Aziz Ansari. And he also has like this company that creates programming deals for other platforms. So this man is like a big, a big figure in the uh, entertainment world. So it's like, damn, not only have you might. Specifically, it sounds like with the comedians. Yes. And these are two comedian women. Yeah. You don't want to get on his bad side because it's you're never working this town again type of thing. Yeah, so now they're telling people about their story. They're not getting the feedback and the allies that they thought they would have because of whatever reason. And then they're getting told that Louis C.K.'s manager, who controls and has a lot of hands in different industries and pies and whatever, that he's not happy that they're spreading their story. And it's like, man. They, they said for a while, um, Dave Becky was in charge of like certain projects and they didn't know until they were trying like maybe to audition or submit their material. But as soon as they found out Dave Becky was like attached to it, they felt like they could not submit their material because they would automatically be X'd out or maybe start raising Dave Becky's suspicions and he might try to like silence them or something like that. Mm. Now, Dave Becky, on the one hand, has denied making any threats towards the women of any kind. He says, I don't recall the exact specifics of the conversation, but no, I never threatened anyone. And he wrote that in like an email statement that he sent to the New York Times when they were doing this article. And to uh, and Julie and Dana's agents also said that the pair told them that they felt they they basically had been warned to stop talking so they just stayed silent and didn't say anything until this story came about and they were able to share what happened and they're also um do you remember you might not remember the that uh website called gawker yeah yeah so uh 
before our Gawker went downhill and all this stuff, one of the things they used to do is post blind items. And apparently once upon a time, there was a blind item about a comedian who liked to uh, pull his dick out and masturbate in front of women who uh, were unwilling to watch him. And that one incident is being reported that happened in Colorado, Aspen, that involved him being in a hotel room with two women blocking their way and masturbating in front of him. And that was before any of this came out. That was a blind item. Okay. I mean, I yeah, they're telling everyone that they can, so that story's going to get out. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that was interesting, the whole he might have been blocking his way. Because they don't say that in their retelling of the story, but it says it in the blind item. So I always, I always wondered about positioning in the room. Like, was he blocking an exit? Is that why they, and not giving justification on if they left early or stayed or whatever. But I just wonder, like, why until the last minute? Even if he wasn't physically blocking the door, I can see him being in, like, the way towards the door. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's not, like, actively, you know, blocking it like his, he's up against it, but he could be that they have to walk past him. Mm-hmm. I agree. This leads me to the next story slash testimony. Now, this one is a very, like, very short one. This one's from another performer named Rebecca Corey. This happens in 2005. And this is on the set of a TV pilot. Um, from the context clues I gathered about Rebecca, it seems like this was like one of her very first TV pilots. So this, from the onset, I'm thinking this is a very exciting and happy time for her. Apparently on the set of this uh, TV pilot, Louis C.K. is a guest star. He ends up approaching her while she's walking to the set. The quote is, he leaned close to my face and said, can I ask you something? Rebecca said yes. He then asked if we could go to my dressing room so he could masturbate in front of me. Rebecca was very upset and angry that he asked her as well as being in shock. Uh, She said she declined and ended up pointing out that he had a daughter and a pregnant wife. She quotes and says, his face got red and he told me that he had issues. Just for context, yes, uh, Louis C.K. was married to a woman named Alex Bailey from 1995 to 2008 and did have two daughters during that marriage. So apparently this happened right as Miss Bailey was pregnant with her second child. And what killed me is that he boldly asked this woman who he does not know and has just met for this very inappropriate and personal thing, knowing that he is the star on the set. And then when um, she declines, he says, I have issues. Well, once he she declines and tells him about itself, like, bitch, you're married and you have a daughter on the way. Yeah, it's so bizarre that he's not even trying to. to he's not trying to hide it. He's not trying to really build a relationship with these women or anything. And he's not outright attacking. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't either. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Man, I've already done my rambling. I'm not rambling. Yeah, does he think because of his star power that these women are just to say yes? 
you know. I think star power, the fact that he is higher on the industry chain and therefore is the billable bankable star and the fact that he is not outwardly aggressive, I think is what he tries to lean on as his saving grace for not being an outward weirdo creek predator. That right there, because in all these situations, besides the first one with the phone call, Mm-hmm. He can say, I asked for permission. Mm-hmm. They did not say no. Yeah. Interesting. Um, word about this interaction and like Louis asking for that and her declining reached the show's executive producer, which at this time was, I, this is an unnamed TV plot pilot. So I have no idea what this was or what could have been, but the show's uh, executive producers were Courtney Cox and David Arquette. And these two hmm. actually both confirmed this incident in the New York Times article. So this Courtney and David said this this happened for sure. Um, Courtney goes on. Courtney Cox goes on to say what happened to Rebecca on that set was awful. Um, she said she felt outrage and shock and that her concern was to create an environment where Rebecca felt safe, protected and heard. When talking about Rebecca, they even discussed curtailing the production, like basically stalling or stopping the production for a while. Miss um, Corey decided to continue on with the show. She was quoted as saying, things were going well for me and I had no interest in being the person who shut down production. Now, what's interesting at, in her saying that later in the ABC News interview, uh, when asked at the like towards the end of the interview, like, do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you would do? And she says that if she had the chance, she would take advantage of what was given to her and she would shut down production because she says that Louis' behavior was inappropriate and it should have been addressed. And I agree. Yeah. Because I'm- essentially it was swept under the rug and he never had to answer for it. At that time, though, she's just thinking, let's move on. Let's get this done. I want this job. Mm-hmm. Or and I don't want the spotlight on me because everybody's going to wonder why is production shut down? People are going to lose jobs, get laid off. Like she was thinking of people, whereas I w- even when things undeservedly happen to us or unexpectedly happen to us, instead of sometimes thinking about our stuff and our own health, we think about how well, more empathetic people think about how it could affect other people's other people on different scales. And obviously she was thinking about the whole of production and the pilot and wanting to just push and power through. And like, really, he was disgusting, but nothing really happened to her. Mm-hmm. So the last final story comes from the woman who wanted to remain anonymous. Jane Doe um, is how I refer to her. In the timeline and events, this is actually the first one that it on the record that ever happened. There could be more, uh, but these are from the five women who came out in that New York Times article. So these are the women that we will focus on. They, these are the stories that we will tell. So this is the last one, Jane Doe. This incident, first one that happened, and interestingly enough, is the only one where consent was actually granted. But for some reason, I still... The, it doesn't make this right and something in the milk ain't clean and I'll tell it and you still you tell me what you think but I still think this was taking advantage all right okay in the late 90s 
Jane Doe was working in production at the Chris Rock show. And um, as I said before, when Louis C.K. was working at the Chris Rock show, he was a writer and a producer there. Apparently, while working there with Jane Doe, he repeatedly asked her to watch him masturbate. She was repeatedly. That was I took that word from the article. It says repeatedly. He repeatedly asked her to watch him masturbate. And she was in her early 20s and went along with the request, but later questioned his behavior. She's quoted as saying, it was something that I knew was wrong, uh, said Jane Doe. She describes sitting in Louis C.K.'s office while he masturbated in his desk chair during the workday. During this workday, other colleagues are just outside the door. She says, I think this is a big piece of why I said yes, because of the culture. He abused his power. Also a co-worker at the Chris Rock show who as well wanted to name, wanted to remain anonymous, confirmed Jane Doe uh, telling them this story and the experience soon after it happened about Louis asking uh, for her to watch him masturbate repeatedly. You you tell me how you feel about that first. She gave, basically, she she's, he's at least 30. She's a, a young and a young woman in her 20s, he's the writer and producer. She's just in production. And during the workday, he's asking her to watch him masturbate while it's a workday. And, and she says yes. So, yes, consent was granted. What it do you think overall so, hearing that? It is so weird because, okay, part of me is thinking it's a power thing. He's making this woman watch him masturbate but i don't know if that's what it is i don't know if it's like more of a flasher type of thing where he gets off on the disgust yeah like to discuss the shock the awe of it mm-hmm. and i i guess i'm just trying to diagnose him because it's it's so bizarre hearing it because he you said he's at his desk he's in his desk chair it, it seems he's always in a chair apparently it it just okay where well, i'm a thinking is that he's on one side of the desk doing it she's on the other side it looks like they're just talking and then people are just walking about going about their business you think so that's how it sounded she said the colleagues were walking around yeah but that doesn't mean that he he doesn't have a closed office that he ain't Uh, openly masturbating well i just feel like someone could peer in and it just looks like he's he's just sitting at his desk I think he takes precautions because of that, especially because yeah. he she describes it as repeatedly, which I think also could make her be isolated as a worker because I don't know about you, but office culture, motherfuckers talk. And yeah. if you see somebody going into an office frequently at a certain time and we ain't, and we know they ain't getting no extra tasks. That can create a toxic environment as well. What the fuck they doing? What you doing? Are you being that? Are you doing that? And with yeah. this one being the first one that mm-hmm. we know of, and the only one who actually consented, mm-hmm. it's weird that it did happen several times. Was he looking for a situation like that again? I I, I don't know what to make of this case. I I'm baffled. I try, I'm trying to see where he's coming from. I don't think it's right, obviously. 
But at the same time, it's not criminal, is it? I think if things would have went, if he took thing, if he takes things further, it could be criminal. But right now, based off what I've read and researched, I think at most this could be a civil case. The if first somebody, if somebody wanted to make it a case, yeah, which they they didn't. They just shared their stories. But I don't, and that I maybe I, that's where I actually did kind of fuck up on, uh, drop the ball at. So I actually should have looked up if this is criminal. I'm not a hundred percent sure based off this evidence if this is something somebody could even be locked up for. I, so I don't, I don't think so. Possibly. The first I, one, I don't see it as being criminal because she did consent. She did say yes. Even I get there's a power dynamic. I get all that. But this she, one you're talking about? Yes. This okay. First one chronological, last one that you said. Uh, I get it. The the phone one then? The phone one, again. Because that's the first one I said. Well, I'm talking about this case right now. Oh, I'm confused. Shit, fuck. Last one you said, first one chronological. Oh, I thought that was the order you were going in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, I got you. This one. The 1990s Chris Rock show. Yes, Jane Doe. It can't be a criminal case because she did consent. She said yes. He, you know, they both said she said yes, I guess. Yes. Uh, the second one, or it's all out of whack, but the phone one is. The phone, yeah, speaking on the phone while I don't she didn't you, know. You can't really. That's not criminal. Yeah, that's not criminal either. It's, you're not in the same room. It's people are going to say she could have hung up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hotel room, if they laughed, he could have took that as consent, but obviously it wasn't. Yeah, ain't no motherfucking laughter consent. I laugh all the fucking time. Yeah, so I feel like the only thing they can honestly get him for is maybe like a flasher would, which is what, indecent exposure? Oh, look at you. I that, I didn't even think about that. But yes, that yeah, is because, a charge. Because he that's what he's doing is flashing his penis. Mm-hmm. And, and committing lewd acts. Yeah, but that, not towards them. That's usually them. in front of minors. Yeah, he's not he's not doing anything towards them. Well, yeah, physically he's not physically, putting his hands when, or his fluids on them. So yes, yes, when you think of like sexual assault, which is this is not what they said. Yes, yeah, something's happening to them, and this it's a. Uh, I don't want to say it's not sexual assault, but I don't want to say it's, I, I don't know. It's not normal. I, I would, I mean, I use the word that they use because I feel like that fits it the, the most, even though it's not criminal. I do kind of view and what was that word? like sexual misconduct. Yeah, sexual misconduct. He's not, he's not conducting himself in a, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, appropriate manner. Or a professional manner appropriate professional manner in the setting that a civilized in. manner civilized come on teach me more words yeah yeah and do you have a psychologist lined up to take our call because i i want to get him diagnosed like i oh so. i definitely think that this is maybe a deeper issue a surface level yes it's a kink but um what takes it out of me considering it a kink is when he's doing this with people that he has a power dynamic with that he is over. 
with the employees that you hire and fire. That's my problem. Jack off in front of anybody that you want. But why does it have to be people that you work with that are put like painted in a corner of what the fuck? Like it was giving me Matt Lauer vibes. You know what I'm saying? Both are wrong, but I think the power dynamic is a means to an end. He's using the power dynamic to To get get these women. And then he's feeding off of the shock and the all the giggles, or I don't know, is it humiliation? I, I need him diagnosed. Yeah. Um, I, I personally kind of said like, it reads like a, like a, like a creepy predatory work guy who like uses his position to ask inappropriate questions to the women who work under him in the, the hierarchy of whatever writer's room show he's in and then puts them in a corner of asking them to do something where they have to wonder if there's going to be retribution, if they say no, or do they, are they put in such a position that they have to say yes? It's just like, there's consent, but it's so muddy the way that he went about it. I I won't say that he did not get consent. He will. I just feel like he blurred the lines the way that he went about it. And Um, do you know, or I don't know if you did it there later, did his ex-wife ever speak out and say this is something he enjoys? No, I, I didn't see any statements from his ex-wife. Um, she states herself, as far as I'm, I, I, I read about her, like being more private uh, ever since they've been divorced. Okay. And they were divorced before. Uh, they were married during all his indiscretions, but they were divorced before all this shit came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, oh, I also thought that like this story kind of really made. I mean, I was already not liking Louis based off what I was reading because the way he went about things, but it really painted the picture of his character. Like this is this is the first one. He's married. We already know because 1995 to 2008 and the Chris Rock show started in 1997. So he's married. He's a writer and producer for this popular TV show uh, hosted by one of the most popular stand up comedians at this time, at this moment. Not the top one, but Chris Rock was pretty much up there, 90s to early 2000s. Um, so he's like he's kind of feeling himself. He's he's getting he's getting up there in the uh, the entertainment industry, and he decides to find a woman who's clearly not on his equal level and playing field, and ask if she can watch a masturbate at work in his office, and then does this repeatedly. I just thought that. You know that you're at work, so you know that this shouldn't be a sexual environment. Yeah. And and asking her that, knowing that you might be over her, being her boss, you're already making her think that this might be something she has to say yes to. Because why else would you ask at this at this particular setting if it wasn't like. If you say no, something's going to happen. That's how I just feel. And it was so early in his career or his his success career that I felt like he was really feeling himself and he felt invincible. And that's why he was doing what he was doing. He felt he wouldn't get caught and he went for people who were inexperienced and that's the end of it. 
Mm-hmm. When it comes to Louis and his sexual fantasies and his urges, he just uses and discards the women around him because they're not considered his equal. They're not a uh, frequent actor actresses that he's worked with, like Pamela. Uh, these people are they're kind of faceless in the industry, I feel like. So that's why he gets away with it. Uh, some people might have their opinions like it doesn't seem that bad and it's really tame considered to other scandals that happen or scandals that we have covered. And I agree, maybe it's not the worst scandal, but it is still bad. It is still not conducting yourself in a civilized, appropriate manner. And it is not being um, a responsible person who is honestly responsible for people at a workplace. Like if you're going to be the boss, you got to be the boss. You can't be the masturbating ass sexual favors boss. Yeah. What also killed me about this story is that Louis C.K. apparently knew that he was wrong. And he ended up trying to apologize or apologizing to some of his quote unquote victims, I guess you could say. In 2009, the woman who he talked on the phone with, Abby, he contacted her six years later. Abby says she received a Facebook message from Louis C.K. and he was apologizing. Uh, He is quoted as saying, last time I talked to you ended in a sordid fashion. Like I said, a Facebook message and it was verified by the New York Times. Um, He then goes on and says, that was a bad time in my life and I am sorry. He says that he had seen some of Abby's comedy and thought she was funny quote, I remember thinking what a repulsive person I was being by responding the way that I did, end quote. Abby says that she accepted his apology and told him that she forgave him, but the original interaction left her deeply dispirited, and she says that this is one of the things that discouraged her from ending up pursuing comedy, I guess, more than what she was. Like, I guess she stopped soon after. Um, Yeah, I was like, I I guess it's one of those things like don't meet your idols or they can break your heart or something like that. Like your mentors can do that. And he wasn't a mentor, but he was somebody that she admired and had met before. And I guess she either was so impacted by the situation that happened. She just felt like she couldn't do comedy anymore. Or maybe even worse, she was wondering, is this how it's going to be like with all men that I interact with in comedy? Yeah. I called to invite them to a show and then they start masturbating over the phone. Like they don't even respect me that much. That would fuck me up a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, in 2015, a few months, a few months before the defamer website uh, got shut down, some rumors had circulated of Louis CK's alleged sexual misconduct. Rebecca Corey had received an email from Louis CK. This was also confirmed by the New York times. He started by saying he owed her a, quote, very, very, very late apology. He ended up calling her. And then he said he was sorry for shoving her in a bathroom. Uh, Rebecca says he, uh, she tells him, you never did that. You had actually asked to masturbate in front of me. He responded in a shaky voice and acknowledged it and said, quote, I used to misread people back then. Hmm. So the call confounded Miss Corey, Miss Rebecca Corey, because she said not only did this man misremember the incident, which made her head spiral and think of how many more moments has this man had with other women. She also felt that he implied 
she had done something to invite his request, his behavior by saying, I used to misread people back then. Like, what did Rebecca do that day on set that you thought that she was giving you the eye to masturbate in front of her? I don't know. I think that's crazy that he literally called to apologize and ended up saying the wrong apology for her. And it's about a story that I ain't read yet about shoving her in a bathroom. Yeah. What did he do when he shoved her in the bathroom or this mysterious person? Do you know if he is doing some type of 12 step program? Uh, It does not say in his later statement that I'm going to read or on the internet that this man entered a program. Uh, I don't think he sees anything wrong with what he did despite these apologies. Okay, but that's where it sounds like something's making him do these apologies. And I just know in 12-step programs, you have that step where you have to do your apologies. And the whole, I used to read people wrong back then, it does sound like he was kind of blaming them, but it also sounds like maybe he wasn't, I don't know, like he's getting help for something. I don't it know. It could be. He it, didn't publicize this and this is a few years before the allegations even come out so i honestly could not even tell you yeah so yeah i i think it's crazy that he was that he decided to apologize for this behavior but when 2017 happened the world was changing like 2016 2017 this man was not worried about anything there were allegations surrounding him Like, uh, for example, I got two examples. In 2006, he uh, was asked about the allegations and he quotes that he's quoted as saying, I don't care about that. He said this to Vulture in 2016 when somebody was like, so what about those masturbating things and the sexual misconduct and blah, blah, blah. He was like, I don't care about that. That's nothing to me. That's not real. That's 2016. Yeah, because these stories weren't out yet. Mm-hmm. And then in September 2017 at the Toronto Film Festival, where he was premiering his uh, movie, I Love You, Daddy, which that's a crazy ass title. But apparently it got really positive reviews before it got like snatched. I thought this time he was at his highest with being he publicly was climbing. Known. Yeah. Yeah. Because not only was the show Louie doing good. People love uh, that show. Oh, yeah. But the show he put on for Pamela, Better Things was doing good. Baskets was doing good. Like he had his hand in a lot of things that were actually being very successful. Yeah. So his name was everywhere and he was doing his special. So, yeah. Um. So, yeah. And where he's at the Toronto Film Festival, uh, September 2017, literally a couple months before he's about to get exposed, Louis C.K. dismissed stories of the alleged sexual misconduct as, quote, rumors. And he did that because he thought he was clear of his wrongdoing. He thought, man, I did those apologies like four or five years ago. They're great. They're solid. Ain't no officially leaked out. It won't. But when that Harvey Weinstein shit came out, it changed the game. And so, therefore, it left him vulnerable. And then in November when the shit hit the fan, the shit hit the fan. It, And I don't like when people are like, well, this shit happened like 10, 12, 20 years ago. It don't matter. The man was an adult. Let them let the adult take 
responsibility for, you know, the consequences. It is what it is. Okay. So when the New York Times story was released, Louis made a very long apology statement. All right, please be prepared. He says, I want to address the stories told to the New York Times by five women named Abby, Rebecca, Dana, Julia, who felt to name themselves and one who did not. These stories are true. At the time, I said to myself, what I did was okay because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. Uh, But what I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It is a predicament for them. The power I had over this The power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I have been remorseful of my actions. I have tried to learn from them and run from them. Now I'm aware of the extent of the impact of my actions. I learned yesterday the extent to which I left these women who admired me feeling badly about themselves and cautious around other men who would never have put them in that position. I also took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community, which disabled them from sharing their story and brought hardship to them when they tried because people who look up to me didn't want to hear it. I didn't think that I was doing any of that because my position allowed me not to think about it. There is nothing about this that I forgive myself for, and I have to reconcile it with who I am which is nothing compared to the task I left them with. I wish I had reacted to their admiration of me by being a good example to them as a man and giving them some guidance as a comedian, including because I admired their work. The hardest regret to live with is what you've done to hurt someone else. And I can hardly wrap my head around the scope of hurt I I brought on them. I'd be remiss to exclude the hurt that I've brought on people who I work with and have worked with whose professional and personal lives have been impacted by all this, including projects currently in production, the cast and crew of Better Things, Baskets, The Cops, One Mississippi, and I Love You, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's crazy as fuck to be saying, though. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I deeply regret that this has brought negative attention to my manager, Dave Becky, who only tried to mediate a situation that I caused. I've brought anguish and hardship to the people at FX who have given me so much, the orchard who took a chance on my movie and every other entity that has bet on me through the years. I've brought pain to my family, my friends, my children and their mother. I have spent my long and lucky career talking and saying anything I want. I will now step back and take a long time to listen. Thank you for reading. Now, a few things. First of all, uh, how are you apologizing and explaining yourself and saying that they're true in the same time? I don't know. Seems a little half-hearted to me. Second of all, you literally explained everything you did wrong, how you did wrong, and why it was wrong, and yet you still did it. Also, um, he later in the next few years negates a lot of what he says in his special when he talks about the fact that he got consent. And the joke is when somebody, when you ask somebody, uh, when you pull your dick out, when you ask to pull your dick out and they say, yes, ask if they're sure, implying that all his people said yes, when that was not true at all. Wait, Wait what that is- was his joke in his stand-up special? 
like in the 2021 or the 2021 one, because <laughs> he has two. He's he's had some specials come out since then. Um, basically, once he gets to the section where he talks about the allegations, like, oh, let's just talk about it. Why don't we? And everybody, talk about you putting your dick out. Yeah. yeah. And um, he basically says, you know, first of all, everybody has a thing, and it kind of sucks when everybody knows what your thing is. And his thing is that obviously he he likes when people watch him jack off. That's his uh, thing. If yeah, but that's and, no and. If these were women who he was in a relationship with and he's like, hey, can you watch me masturbate? That's different. These are women who are working under him, who he's victimizing and doing it to. Yeah, I agree. And then he jokes and basically says, you know, um, when uh, you ask to pull your dick out uh, and they say yes, you should follow up and say, are you sure? And then he says, afterwards, you probably shouldn't even do it. You should like not even they said like put your dick up or don't even do it at the end. But it's like you're kind of negating like that's not exactly what happened. And you explained it perfectly in your statement, which makes me believe, like most celebrities, that you of course didn't write your statement because you just said it right there. You used your power dynamic to force these people into a I feel a lose-lose situation by putting your dick on the table at all, you nasty pervert. I wish you would have treated them with some comedian advice too, but obviously you didn't. You didn't respect those women enough. You treat your male peers great because I know that Chris Rock ain't got no jack-off story from Louie, but there's apparently five and maybe even more women who do. Yeah. So it's just so disingenuous on you saying that these stories are true and you want to be better and take some time and listen and not talk and all this other stuff and then wait two to like three or four years and then negate that with jokes, jokes, jokes. And I get it. You're a comedian. You got to make things light. But in some cases, maybe you should just skip over that whole subject matter since we know that you're not an expert on it. Maybe you shouldn't bring that shit up anymore. Maybe yeah. if, if your male fan, you're over, your overwhelmingly male felt fan base is going to take you back and embrace you. Maybe you should just stick to the jokes that have nothing to do with you um, going quid pro quo and uh, asking ladies to be in weird ass positions when you're their boss. Do you think he had to address it in his comedy show? Or do you think if he would have not addressed it, he could have just moved on? I think that people, the people that like Louis so much don't care. Yeah, because they already bought the ticket to get the job. Exactly. Joke. They don't care if he addresses it or not. They just don't want him to be quote unquote canceled and they want to see a show and they think he's funny and they didn't think he did anything wrong or that bad. Uh, you address it because you want to, but I don't like when people address scandals and then they minimize it knowing that they played a terrible, huge role in making the whole situation happen. And I know, like I, like I just said, I know you have to make it light and you're a comedian, but I just feel that it's wrong sometimes. I just don't even bring it up. If you're blessed enough for these people to forgive you of your sins and book you as, as, as talent as a comedy show, give them comedy show, give them talent, give them quarantine jokes you've been sitting on for four fucking years. 
Yeah. I don't need to hear about you jacking off anymore. And the crazy thing is, that's like 90% of his like shtick. That's his brand is talking about how he's a like one of the older men going through uh, his midlife crisis masturbating on shit. Oh, well, I guess you work with what you have now. Yeah. Was that his type of humor before? Like, I, I don't know him. So, yeah, that, I mean, he it, it was had, always like penis jokes. He, uh, yeah, I will say he had a fair amount of penis jokes, uh, old man jokes. You know, when he was married, it was about his marriage and sex. Then when he got divorced, it was about him being a divorced man and sex and his children and his career. Like, but yeah, being a man, his penis and masturbation have always been a staple at any of his specials. I'll say that. Just like talking about black woman's hair and weave has always been a staple in a Chris Rock special. Oh, bringing it all back. Full circle, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where we leave. Um, people always say that Louis C.K. was canceled, but he technically wasn't. He paused himself. He didn't even cancel. He paused himself, literally came out with that statement the day after the article and slowly backed away Homer Simpson himself um, in the bushes for a couple of years until it was safe to come out. Well, was his show on FX canceled? Was it canceled? I read he lost a lot of things, but I don't remember if that was canceled because of that. Was was Louis canceled? Because then I would say he was canceled. But I, I don't think anyone's really canceled because it's just like you can make a comeback. Everyone makes the comeback. It's just a scandal. You hide for a bit, you come back. Oh, it was canceled in 2015 though. Oh, before. Yeah, this was 2010 to 2015. Um, it says. And we gotta we gotta do this the boot the bootleg way. It says amid us extended hiatus for the show, FX ended their business partner, their business partnership with Louis C.K.'s production company, Pig Newton, in November 2017. Oh, so I guess in 2015 it went on a hiatus, like it was supposed to come back. But after that shit came out, they officially just said, fuck the hiatus, make it permanent. Why did it go on a hiatus? Do you know? Was it just a regular break or was it? I think it was just a regular hiatus for him because he had other projects going on. Because there are some shows who do it, like Euphoria is about to do it, take an extended hiatus for like two years. But um, yeah. Oh, let me put in this one little thing about another thing that made me question Louis C.K., but also made me hate Joe Rogan more. Was that I found this like, four or five, six minute clip uh, of a Joe Rogan podcast from 2019, where it's these two guys, I'm guessing they are in comedy, whether as performers or own a comedy club. Um, I didn't get their names and it wasn't in the bio of the video. Otherwise I quoted, quote their, their names, but it's Joe Rogan and these two guys in comedy. And they were talking about how Louis was canceled and all this other stuff. And Joe Rogan says, well, you know, I had a long talk with him and uh, maybe one day he'll tell a story. But there was a lot more to the story. And uh, if he were to tell it, it, he would come like come out looking better because there was a lot going on in the background. There were sexual talks and flirting and stuff like that. And I was like, hold the fuck up, which is true. 
The apologies you made in 2009 and 2015, the, the fake ass statements you made in 2016 about your allegations in two months before, the statement you made November 10th, 2017, after you were exposed, or the fact that Joe Rogan is saying y'all had a long conversation in which you're saying that, oh, it wasn't just one-sided, apparently, your weird masturbation fantasies. You, It's too many sides to this story, which it just paints Louis looking like a liar even more. Yeah. it, It's, yeah, I don't like him making statements and then trying to justify it afterwards yeah, and having his like, friends do it. Or I don't know if he had Joe Rogan to do it, but... Even still, like them, they're not them speaking on his name on his behalf, saying he did say that, though, either way. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and one of the jo- one of the guys said, uh, like, he booked him for a show and he killed and everybody loved it. And beforehand, he, like, introduced him and said, hey, this is a guy who didn't touch anybody. He just touched himself. It, Oh, you could have jacked off on me. You just couldn't have got it on my shirt. It's, it's a little expensive making jokes like that. Like the joke, the sad joke is that Louis C.K. knew better not to do that in front of no men. He just knew that the men would protect him. <laughs> and y'all are doing it right now saying that, ah, just because he didn't touch the women, it's not like he intimidated them or um, made them fear to be around men alone in the office. It's not like he really created a toxic work environment. Like, bro, it's more to that. Especially but, yeah. that first one, the first one chronological, but last yeah, one you the, spoke uh, of. Yeah, uh, lock, locked in the, the office. But yeah, having to always be talked to his office. And yeah, that's way toxic work environment. Yeah. So um, since 2017, since him taking like a year and a change break, a couple years break, he's getting booked again at most of the places, the clubs he kind of worked before. Um, he's released two comedy specials, uh, 2020, Sincerely, Louis C.K. And in 2021, Sorry. Um, and I feel like it's only a matter of time before Hollywood deems him absolved of all sins and time served and he's writing starring producing creating something else that'll be on our screens you know it even if it's not the worst thing somebody's done I feel like when you are allowed to be famous and be a celebrity and make millions of dollars when you start abusing your position I do not care if you work in Hollywood again yeah, I honestly, he's going to bounce back just because one, yep. he can be a writer for stuff and that's like not as in your face. And mm-hmm. two, he's going to have that defense. He did not touch any of these women. Yeah. So that's where it is. Yeah. Louis Bitch K. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the video of Chris Rock, Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld and Richard Gervais just saying nigger like free and clear, not Jerry Seinfeld, but the other three just saying nigger like bitch. It was it was their favorite blankie. They hold it close to them and it's their favorite word. That shit was crazy to me. Like they're laughing. Chris Rock saying Louis C.K.'s the the whitest nigger he's ever known. I, I didn't understand why any of that was funny why they decided to to say it 
why they did it with the camera rolling and then why did they cut print edit and release that shit to us because i could have gone my whole entire life without seeing that yeah jerry seinfeld said it best he said i don't see the humor and i'm not seeking to see it or something like that so yeah and jerry got skeletons in his closet and he knew better like bro you is not about to catch me saying that word yeah on camera (laughs) they were yeah I just couldn't believe it. And I just, and maybe this is me reaching and it it definitely could be, but I just feel like Chris, Chris Rock and Louis C.K. created like a couple of our favorites with like down to earth. And I think I love my wife and shit, but also like such negative, they just have like these black points on their legacy that are just so negative as well. I mean, a <laughs> so lot of just, people do. I don't. Yeah. But I just think it's funny that they work together and they just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and we both talked about them in this episode. So it's kind yeah. of funny, but that's where we end off, you know? So um, anything else before we move into the next section? No. All right. So this is where we talk about media, our favorite media that we find love and joy and peace with. Um, since I've been talking for a thousand of hours, wouldn't you like to go first? Sure, I can go first. Um, mine is going to be, I don't think this would be, I think I love my wife. I think I need to sit on that for a moment. Oh, just, it's, your, just, it's your top five fave. It, I feel like it still is. You know what? No, I'm going to talk about it. Go ahead, tell okay. us how you love it. I think I love my wife, written by <laughs> Louis C.K. and Chris Rock. <laughs> Um, it's such a great movie. It has Chris Rock in it and Terry Washington. Mm. And Chris Rock is married to who's the actress? Gina. Gina Torres. Gina Torres. They're married. He thinks he loves her. He doesn't know, but he's bored out of his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love how you said it, just like him. <laughs> and he's really bored, and then he meets this girl from college that he knew back in college that dated his friend and they get together they don't do anything but she like starts showing up at his office he helps her move he gets beat up by her ex-boyfriend and it's like he's thinking of having that affair r.i.p michael k williams he played the boyfriend oh yeah He's thinking of having that affair. His boss is telling him, hey, you can't be save a hoe. You you need to go with your wife. Fuck your wife. And he's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. We're just friends. And it's hilarious. Carrie Washington does a great job. It was like before she really blew up. Mm, before and she got that scandal money. Yeah, I really love it. I love, I quote it all the time. I I don't know if I love the ending, no spoilers, I guess. <laughs> you better fucking spoil this movie, this old ass Louis C.K. Chris Rock goddamn movie. Okay, well, he doesn't sleep with Kerry Washington's character, Nikki True. And... I won't go again. Oh, I love that song. I'm tired of you, Foo Fighters, right? Yep, you know, I downloaded that as soon as I figured it out. Uh-huh. And he doesn't sleep with her. He goes back to his wife and his kids. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't know if I like that is because I just don't know. They had such good chemistry. I don't know. Watch the movie. I don't know. I guess cheating, I guess he didn't cheat, but 
once he pulled her drawers off, you might as well, brother. Yeah, yeah, he got very close. And then at the end, I just was like, you a, might as well. He sings a song with, with his wife. That is what I hated. I got it, but I How hated How come it. we don't fuck anymore? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, why is this here? Why did y'all end it like this? I would I, rather it ended as soon as he put that dumbass ring on his finger again. Oh, yeah. That would have been it, nice. Bam. Black screen. And the okay. thing I really love about it is Carrie Washington, I think she plays that role of seductress. I don't even know what to call it. Like, friend, maybe not friend. Mm-hmm. Really well. She has amazing quotes. Like, all her lines are quotable. Like, <laughs> I'm the old bitch in the club. I hear yeah. ice cracking when mm-hmm. she's feeding the fishes. Yeah. It's just a great movie. And it's funny. It was. I'm just... It was. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch it and see it. Like... I, I will say, yeah, even before all this BS, Carrie Washington was always my favorite part of the whole thing. She definitely plays that whole vixen that plays you out. But when she come back, she just so cute that you like, okay, play me again. <laughs> Yeah, when, that's essentially what happened. She low-key played Richard. Is that what his name was? In the uh-huh. Richard? Richard! Yeah, she played Richard, and he acted mad for a second when she came back, and then he fell right back into the trap to free himself. But he did initially fall back into the trap. I feel like he kept trying to get away from her. Like He kept saying, this is the end. And then it was that final when she like blew him off at the club where he's yeah, like, called you- her. Because he was really trying to cheat then. He, yeah. <laughs> he took her advice and everything. Started a fight about the goddamn chicken. chicken. Some <laughs> duck. I'm going to get some duck. And then try to play his wife out. And she said, hold the fuck. Uh-huh. Motherfucking game. It did 30 hours ago. What the fuck you coming in my house? <laughs> and then he takes that Viagra and he has a boner. Oh, my God. <laughs> get that thing away from me. <laughs> Point that thing away. What'd she say? Are you? <laughs> ah, she thinks she's cheated. Ah, I forget the quote right now. What she says when she sees him with the boner. In my fucking house, that's all I remember. Oh my gosh. And then when he says, I'm talking to George. And then he's, what'd she say? What type of sick shit is that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that was, ah, damn it! Why you got me liking this movie? <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch it. I have to. I ain't gonna. I, I'm gonna I mean, have to separate the is. art from the artist, and I don't really have a problem with Chris Rock. So, yeah, and as we said, if they die, you really don't care. Yeah, once they're dead, I'm like, Whoop. all right. Is that all for? I think I love my wolf. Yes, I think I love that movie still. Yeah, it's. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, it's solid. Um. My Media, Quick Fast, um, is a movie I've known and loved since my childhood, introduced to me by my grandmother um, on my mother's side. And that was uh, George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle has Brendan Fraser in it as George of the Jungle. Um, It has Leslie Mann in it. It has Thomas Hayden Church, Holland Taylor. I even think John Cleese or somebody British voices one of those apes. But anyway, it's just a funny movie. Um, 
it's a kid's movie, but not really. It just follows Georgia the Jungle, who essentially was born. I forget his origin story, but basically he was a baby who ended up in the jungle and then a whole bunch of apes raised him. It's kind of like a knockoff Tarzan, isn't it? Exactly. But for some reason, if the thing is, honestly, if you take away Phil Collins, I I don't listen or watch or like Tarzan. I would watch Georgia the Jungle every day before I watch Tarzan once a month. I I think I agree with you. I when I was a younger, I used to watch Georgia the Jungle. I don't remember it though. Yeah, it's been a minute for me too. That's why I can't really recall <laughs> a lot of the plot, but I do remember thinking it was really funny. Um, a lot of people love Brendan Fraser from The Mummy. I love Brendan Fraser from Bedazzled. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Fucking George of the Jungle. That's where I loved him from. And I both got both of those movies from my grandmother. That's where I loved Elizabeth Hurley. Was It, it was Hurley, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's my media. Taking it back to the childhood once again. Once solving again. Childhood traumas one day at a time. And well, I don't know if we we're solving any yet. We're... Oh, we're, we're, we're identifying, so one day I shall heal. Yes. Let's identify <laughs> first. <laughs> That's our episode, guys. Um, Will and Jada, if you want us to come to your Red Table Talk, just reach out to us. We'll be there. Uh, or if you want to slap us, let me know because um, I'm down to sue. <laughs> I'm, just <joking. laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But yeah, uh, this has been a crazy week of events, um, and it tied in very nicely to the subject as far as them being involved in each other's careers. It did. Uh, let us know if you like having a hot topic segment. Maybe we'll include those more often if there is something where there's usually something going on in this lovely world. Yeah. Um, I will probably put a timestamp in here just so you can click. Yeah, because uh, our segment went on long and then our big <laughs> segment went on very long and there was supposed to be another person on this episode oh yeah <laughs> i mean listeners if i did with my original idea this podcast would have been five hours <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys so much please if you want to leave us a review leave us a rating and we appreciate you guys when you do it we really do we also appreciate the lurkers, and this is coming from a fellow lurker. I lurk on lots of shows, podcasts, and videos. So if you're too shy or you feel you don't want to do a review or a comment, I understand. I you do know? not. You can leave five but, stars without your name. <laughs> well, fuck my drag. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we just appreciate you guys for listening in sincerity. Yes. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us, we have our socials, our Instagrams, but just like the podcast, which Katrina runs, and she keeps that up to date. We have our Gmail. You can send us your media or your suggestions. That is SaveYourSorry at gmail.com, spelled just like the podcast. Our Twitter, Save Your Sorry, but the your is spelled you are. We have Patreon. There'll be a third episode this month. Yeah, we're in April now, so we have to record one real fast. And that's $4 a month. All that's linked in the bio. If I forgot one, that's linked in the bio. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. If you made it here, we did it, guys. We're here. This is the- We did it, Joe. Oh, love it. We did it, Joe. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
Bye.